What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Sunday evening edition of the Full Ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. We come to you guys every Sunday night and every Thursday, but uh, we we missed this Thursday, Matt Green, because uh, COVID nineteen. You're not going to believe this doesn't care about our podcast. Yeah, COVID-19 really uh, put a buzzkill on this weekend of college football. Um, there's just cancellations and postponements all over the country. Uh, it's a real bummer, but, you know, we still had some college football, still some things to talk about on this uh, on this Sunday night. There was some stuff, and it seems like a lot of the most interesting stuff to talk about tonight is, like, news and, like, coaching stuff. <laughs> I feel like yeah. that is where everybody is spinning. We were texting um, before about the Muschamp news breaking, which um, we'll get to in a second. Um, yeah, what what did you actually end up watching? What was your uh, structure like yesterday? Well, I feel like real bummed. No three thirty CBS game. I feel like I'm just trained just as a from a Pavlov's dogs. You know, three thirty mm. CBS. I get, I need to get my SEC phil you know but um get my fix but uh yeah the the miami virginia tech game that was a that was a great game it started off uh the noon slate um and then florida arkansas is really kind of the only intriguing sec matchup we had you know obviously notre dame boston college kind of kept it kept it uh close for a little bit i know you were you on the previous podcast, you had some whispers of an upset pick of the week at Boston College. I don't know if you ever made that official. Well, hold on. Hold but, on. Uh, let's be clear. Let, let's not set the listeners astray. I said that Boston College is going to play Notre Dame well. They played Notre Dame well for a quarter. We'll get to the Notre Dame-Boston College game. But um, Brian Kelly telling his group, because Brian Kelly is a damn good football coach, telling him, don't give it your all against Clemson because you got to save some for Boston College. The utmost sign of respect there. So um, shout out to the Boston College Eagles. It, bring that out of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But we'll get to that. Yeah, you got to bring it. But uh, how, how was your how'd your Saturday unfold, sir? I watched what I needed to. Um, my favorite game was watching Washington, Oregon State super late. Um, I very much enjoyed that. Uh, I feel like you're such a contrarian, honestly. <laughs> you're like... I, I did not, I'll be honest with the listeners, I didn't watch a second of Washington, Oregon State. Tell me, how, how'd that game go? Well, I'm interested because Jonathan Smith is a very good coach at Oregon State, and he's someone to watch in the next couple of years. He's turned that program around. They have a really fun offense. Their old quarterback is the starting quarterback for the Jaguars. Like, Oregon State is sneaky, turning into a really good program. Uh, or I shouldn't say really good. They're just turning into a much better program than what they've been. That's a really tough job. And then Washington I'm interested in because Jimmy Lake, I don't know what he's going to be as a head coach. Donovan, the former Penn State offensive coordinator, um, who uh, came in with some uncertainty there. Uh, They were maybe going to start the other Garbers, true freshman. Dylan Morris got in there. 
Um, I, I want to know what Washington's going to look like because Washington has just become this not real contender, like the pseudo contender where they're like a solid A minus the B plus zone where they're not going to be able to win a two game slate against Clemson and Alabama or Clemson and Oklahoma, something like that in the playoff. Like that's just, they're not built to do that. Could they maybe win one of those games down the road? Yeah, sure. But they just somehow maybe win the conference here and there. Like, yeah, maybe, but But they're not going to be a perennial power contender. Yeah. So I'm just curious what that looks like. Cause that was a shock that Chris Peterson just left. Um, and he had really built the best program in the Pac-12 over the last 10 years, and he's just gone. So I was curious to see what the the Huskies looked like, and I'm always curious about the Beavers. Um, and Jonathan Smith was the offensive coordinator who coached really good offenses for Washington. So there was a lot of elements there for me, as Contrarian Chase uh, was fascinated <laughs> by. So, you know, I, I don't like to spend my Saturdays with uh, – some coaches throwing their clipboards into the stands. I, I, it can make a, I can move on from that. Or you know, what was nice not Honestly, having to watch Tennessee at night. Like just Tennessee not being in my life this weekend, Matt was delightful. Just a, a weight off your shoulders. It was just the eighty-eight to seven stuff. I, I can't. I needed a break from the second half meltdown. They needed a break. Um, they've already had one by, but like, I didn't need to like see Texas A&M beat Tennessee and Neyland 49 to seven yesterday. Like I didn't need, no one needed that. Right. No one, no one, no one needed that. Yeah. I hear you. I, I figured, uh, you were, you are going to be a huge fan of Delane Kiffin, uh, throwing the, no, I, I was, that. I'm just saying that's your boy. No, I'm not disagreeing. I it's fun. It's whatever. But like those games are terrible. That that's my point. It's like the I SEC mean, that, games have been terrible. That specifically was a, an entertaining game, but was yeah, it? It, I mean, it, it was an entertaining for sure, but it wasn't like you didn't feel like you were watching a, a two teams play at a high level. You know, no. it was just, even that clipboard play, it's like there's no one within 40 yards of that guy. And like, I think that's why he no was celebrating. It was like the perfect play call. Is that what it was? Just the reaction? I, I guess so. I am. Well, what a what a call by me. <laughs> I am. I am on. I can make it rain out here. <laughs> Maybe that's what he was doing. I am so in the zone. These guys have no clue where we're going. I don't know. Maybe that was it. Have you ever done that when you were playing NCAA football growing up? Were you never just like, what a call. Uh, what a call. Four yeah, verticals. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that, that happened. But um, yeah, and then I watched a Rear Window that I had not watched in a while. So I took a little break from college. Uh, I couldn't watch the Wisconsin-Michigan game. I, I rewatched what I needed to this morning, um, as I do every Sunday morning. But um, yeah, I was just not not going to give them my Saturday night. So I did that. And then after that, Matt, it was a two-parter, movie night at Chase's house. Um, I did that followed by You've Got Mail. What was the first one? Uh, rear Window. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know what that is. Alfred Hitchcock, James Stewart, oh, okay. Grace Kelly, and then you've got mail, huh? You really changing it up? The rom com. Love a good rom com, but uh, I'm a hey, big rom com guy. Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks is chemistry. You know, really just it jumps off the screen. You know, <laughs> it does. That's, Sleepless in Seattle. That's all, we had, that's all we had to do a second one with them. They're. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, it was a great follow up. Really. Uh, it felt like a Christmas movie. I think that's why I picked it. I don't know why it seems Christmassy. I think it's just cold New York. So I just am like, oh, let's do that. Um, but no, very, very good movie. Makes you feel good. <laughs> Fair enough. 
I love it. Meg Ryan, underrated. She was. I think so. Her and Tom Hanks smile, according to uh, Roger Ebert, because I was reading the reviews after, like, this is Chase living on a Saturday night. I was uh, reading the reviews of that movie from at the time at, like, one o'clock in the morning. And then I'm like, oh, interesting. What Roger Ebert said about uh, Meg Ryan and Hanks in 98, and just like their, their smiles jump off the fan, their chemistry. It's natural. So you are on the same uh, same wavelength as uh, Mr. Ebert. I calls him like I sees him, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's undeniable. Um, did miss not having Zeus appear this week for the, the podcast yeah, picks. That's true. Well, uh, he'll have to get back on his... Uh, he took a week off on his picks, so we'll have to get back at it next week. Mm, I hope so. Um, do you have any Zeus stories? Can you give the listener something that happened with Zeus this week? Oh, man. I don't think I can. I don't think I have anything good off the top of my head. You know, we just... We we uh we we were real productive this weekend around the house. So mm, was, what does so that mean? Was, productive. I was proud of our effort this this weekend. Well, we put some mulch down. Okay. Uh, got got in there with the the weed whacker. Just just making some plays, uh, edging the driveway with the with the weed whacker. It was uh it was it was good stuff. You are uh, getting old. You are going full suburban dad. And I'll be honest, man, I was real proud of the driveway. After I was done with it, I was like... How long like, were you staring at it? I was like, oh, I had to take a multiple peek. So I was <laughs> like, Tori, this is uh, this is good looking stuff. And she hyped me up for it, too. So I don't know if she was just, you know, stroking the ego or what. But she uh, she gave me my props, which I, I've always said yard work's a thankless job, you know. So if anyone's going to hype you up for yard work, you know, you got to uh, you gotta respect that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, some news this week. Um, Will Muschamp, right before we started recording tonight, fired by USC. Um, they are two and five. Muschamp um, obviously has not had the season that he's wanted. Colin Hill and Mike Bobo have not righted the ship there. The defense has fallen apart. Um, I still was stunned when I saw it. Like, there has to be more to the story, right? Like, to fire him in the middle of the season in a COVID year, I, you look at the schedule. We talked about this before the season, right? Where we looked at their schedule. We looked at what they had. We, looked we were at, laughed at. There yes. was people on Twitter that were like, what? Two wins for South Carolina? Are you kidding me? That's disrespectful. They got really mad. South Carolina fans got mad at us for suggesting that this team was going to have a bad year because the schedule just did not present a lot of pathways for them to be good. Um, that's what happened. They have not been good, but they've had a rough schedule and they've lost games to better teams. Um, I'm still stunned. What What is your first reaction to South Carolina moving on from Will Muschamp? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say you're stunned be, just because, you know, South Carolina is just not, you know, you, they haven't been good for a few years now. So it's not just shocking, but, but kind of like you said, I feel like I was surprised by the timing of it just because, I mean, you have Missouri, Georgia, uh, and Kentucky, I think, left on the schedule. So it's like, I mean, I guess it's just the way of saying it. We don't care if you pull pull a Dan Quinn and rally the end of this season. Like it's not gonna matter. Like and maybe South Carolina wants to be their the first program that's like got the name in the hat and wants to start speculating uh, who the head coach could be because 
Because I feel like that's really the only advantage I see of, of making the decision right now. But um, yeah, it's I feel like Bobo is the interim guy. So, I mean, I wouldn't think he's got a real shot to be the guy long term. You know, maybe if they go three and oh, I don't know. Probably it probably isn't even a possibility. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I feel like uh, Hugh Freeze has got to be near the top of their wisp. Uh, near the top of their wish list, along with uh, Billy Napier, I think. Yeah, you gotta n- believe that uh, Ray Tanner has some information that uh, we do not have regarding who they can get. But his buyout was thirteen million. Yeah, I, I, I mean, South Carolina is not swimming in money like other SEC power programs. Um, I don't know if they can afford the Hugh Freeze buyout and paying him like Hugh Freeze just got a big extension at Liberty. Um, the reason he did that not to stay at Liberty long-term, but to make it more difficult to pry him away from Liberty. And I, uh, I don't know. I I don't think it's a slam dunk. that They're going to get the guy they want. Like <laughs> remember when they were, they were, con- I was texting with uh, one of my best buds, Ryan about this, where South Carolina fans, he was there um, working at the time. And he was just surrounded by South Carolina fans. So he hates them. And he's a diehard Georgia fan like you. And he he remembers like them just being like, we're going to get either Kirby or Tom Herman. It's our pick. Like South Carolina fans think that they're just going to get the creme de la creme, that this is a great job. South Carolina job sucks. Let's go ahead and put that well, out Well, that's a really good point. I think, I think Steve Spurrier kind of gave them like a false sense of like what they really could be. It's like kind of in that era of like post post Urban Meyer Florida or at least like the end of Urban Meyer at Florida, uh, along with Georgia kind of like not you know kind of not peaking under Mark Rick like they should and and Tennessee having some just awful years. It's like and then Steve Spurrier, one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. It's like that that's what it took for South Carolina to be nationally relevant for like a three, four year period. You know what I mean? Like it, it just took all of these stars aligning and I just, I don't see another coach. I mean, Steve Spurrier, you know, he's one of the greatest ever, honestly. And there's Steve Spurrier is not walking through that door to paraphrase uh, Rick Pitino back in the day. Like in, in five years of Will Muschamp, you know, the highest they've been ranked in the AP poll is 24. One time. In 2018, they were ranked 24, and honestly, they went seven and six that year. That might have even been a, been a preseason ranking. Like, they're I, uh, South Carolina is not a great job, but even by their standards, I feel like Will Muschamp still he just you, you knew what you had with him, and you just want to roll the dice and see if someone else can can come in and, and fix this thing. Like right who now, who wants to go I, against Clemson? That, like, who that's wants the this? thing. Yeah, right now it's it's a worse job, even though. I would say the 20 the last 10 15 years is the is the best 10 15 years in South Carolina football history and it's still like right now it's the worst job like maybe it's ever been with Clemson being such a powerhouse now so it's like not only do you have the Georgia and Florida and you got to go up against every year you also got Clemson and I mean you have Texas A&M honestly you have to play every year and they still haven't beaten Texas A&M in that locked rivalry so it's like that's like four guaranteed losses on your on your on your schedule almost every year. Obviously, they did beat Georgia last year, but 
Well, George is a good point too. Like George is not going anywhere. Tennessee is still getting better. Um, Tennessee's in a better spot than they were three years ago at the very, at the bare minimum. Florida is at the peak of their powers again. Um, there's just no path. Kentucky's is a, a really great, solid program right now. Like, there's no path to South Carolina getting back into like that Spurrier zone. Like, other than the fact that there just there is talent in South Carolina, in Georgia, where they get a lot of their talent, you know. So there is talent in these areas that they recruit, but but yeah, it's like they're they're fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth on the pecking order of where these guys really want to go. I just hate when people pose certain like they. They cherry pick stats with with programs like this, where uh, Muschamp's three and seventeen against top twenty five teams. He has a twenty eight and thirty record, one bowl, and um, one week in the top twenty five. Zero and four against Clemson. But when you look at that and extrapolate it, you're like, I mean, what did you expect? What were the expectations? Like I always get back to this with college football. College football is not like the NFL in that if you get the right GM, right coach, everyone's got a fair shot. Like if you build the right weight, like everyone's got the same opportunity, the same CBA to work with the same amount, like of money to work with, like everything is the same. It doesn't work like that in college football. And I just think South Carolina fans are just wrong. Like, in well, what, and yeah. And you look, he, he kind of became a victim. I maybe of his own expectations too, because you know, he, he kind of was a sexy name and he was a big time recruiter coming in from Florida. Everyone knew about him as an assistant. And then 2017, he has a nine and four season in year two after a six and seven year season in year one. It's like, OK, maybe we're actually building something. But if you like really dig into that 2017 season, it's like that's the year Jim McElwain got fired from Florida. That's the year Butch Jones got fired from Tennessee. It's like. It was just all these other programs being awful. It was the only way for South Carolina to get up there and be respectable. So, yeah, it's just it's going to be very difficult for South Carolina to get back to, you know, where they were in the Davion Clowney years of with Steve Spurrier. Like, I just don't see that really ever happening again. And like, what what impact do you think? Like, we talked about the timing of this. Like, do you think Gunnar Stockton is like in? like the administration's like mind at all when thinking about like this, like we have this five-star quarterback committed. Like if we can go ahead and write, write the ship now that that kid's still got another year of being in high school. We can get like a, a good offensive mind and keep him from wanting to go to South Carolina. I don't, I don't know if that I mean, has anything programs to do with think it. about this. Like Caden Salter, uh, the four-star mobile dual threat, uh, Tennessee commit had to like reaffirm. I'm still, liking where tennessee is going is basically what he said um yeah programs absolutely think about that stuff with these quarterbacks 100 percent. yeah i mean and i guess you got in this day and age i guess you got to especially when you're someone like south carolina who's not getting five-star quarterback commits very often you try to keep the one you got yeah um but to put a bow on the will must champ era um Actually, there's two things. There's one other thing I want to ask you about before we we move on. But he is getting paid twenty one million dollars in total not to coach football. So Do you know how he good, gets that? Good gig if you get it. <laughs> is he still getting paid from Florida? He is. He they paid him six point three million to stop coaching their team. South Carolina. The number right now that I've found that's most accurate is fifteen point three. So yeah, he's uh. He's going to end up with those two schools just like being like, hey, you get you got to go. Knowing that they're going to have to pay him a lot of money to just leave. Um, he's getting $21 million. 
And he's also 56 and 51 as a head coach career-wise. It's not like he's been a disaster anywhere he's gone. He's been and we, he's and been average. Talked, yeah, he's been average for sure. And um it's just when you when your first job is somewhere like Florida, it's like at being average is a lot worse because mm-hmm. the above average is the is it is the the floor there, you know. But um I also don't yeah. think his personality helps things. I really think that's part of it too. His no. personality does not help him at all. I would definitely agree with that. When you're winning, you're you're yeah. Mullen can get away with that, you know. But and and one thing, you know, we've talked about the COVID. um, You know, maybe a lot of programs not pulling the trigger on a guy that might get fired. This could ultimately play in South Carolina's favor too. Like maybe there are only a handful of jobs that open up, and maybe South Carolina ends up being one of the better ones that's open. Because right now, I don't necessarily know. You know, maybe Michigan that could be another. A job that could open up that's a big time uh name if, if harbaugh uh gets fired but i i don't know who like who's obviously gonna have a new head coach next year yeah i um i just don't think it's gonna be napier or Hugh Freeze. i think that's who they want i just don't think i think south carolina fans are gonna be disappointed maybe you get herman now after he gets fired at texas or something um I see. I could see. I almost feel like, yeah, I kind of feel like with you, Napier, he's like his name. He has such name recognition now that he might be able to hold out for something bigger. But Freeze has still got like that black mark on his resume. So like, I wonder if he just like jumps at the opportunity to get back in big boy football, you know? Maybe. Maybe. New Freeze, I feel like that would be best case scenario if, if I'm a South Carolina fan. Yeah. Um, or maybe Hugh Freeze just waiting for Vanderbilt. He's just like, you know what? Vanderbilt is the one I'm going to save. I, I want to see what happens. There. Why Vanderbilt? That's the uh, I'm joking. That's, okay. I'm, I'm, I was about I'm, to I'm say. Joking. Hugh Freeze, that, that would be perfect, honestly. Come in, just talking some shit to Dabo. <laughs> that would yeah. be, that'd be good stuff. That's true. Um, and he could be Dabo's, uh, weakness, just like he was for, um, Nick Saban for a little bit. Um, all right. Well, you ready to get into this week's games yeah let's do it man all right we mentioned this a little bit uh notre dame and boston college uh played this weekend um notre dame beats the boston college eagles 45 to 31 um boston uh, so two things uh one boston college never wear those uniforms ever again i don't know not feeling the uh the bandana (laughs) no Uh, i'm out um it had some kind of good cause around it, didn't it? It was something like that. Like something you can't hate on, like a, a wounded warrior kind of thing. Just give them the money. I, don't wear the I stuff. They had some, I, right. I thought they had some kind of story behind it, but yeah, I wasn't a fan. No, it was uh, it was bad. Um, so the game looked like it might be close early. Like this was one of those where like, ooh, interesting. Like you think it might go Virginia Tech, Miami a little bit, but no, Notre Dame is not Miami. The difference between Notre Dame and Miami in the ACC, like that was something I'd written down when I was thinking about these two teams. Cause I watched Miami, Virginia Tech in its entirety on Saturday. Um, cause I really wanted to see these two teams, uh, through a full game and Notre Dame is just complete. They don't do what Miami does where Miami just does dumb shit for three quarters and just plays around with teams. that They're better than, and they don't take shots downfield like Notre Dame, but they also just don't do enough. They have these dumb three and outs, and then they have Derek King bail them out. Ian Buck does a lot of the same kind of stuff um, for Notre Dame, but the difference is Notre Dame is just a 
better coached football team. Like Notre Dame, it's kind of amazing their stats here. So at the end of this game, they had 557 yards. They had 283 yards passing and 274 yards running. They turned it over three times, but you wouldn't have like thought they did in this game. They didn't punt the entirety of this football game. Like Miami does, they punt all the time. Miami has these dumb three and outs. They'll have these weird play calls and you're just like, what are you doing? Like Miami, I wrote down my notes multiple times watching the game. Like, what are you doing with this Virginia Tech defense? It's not good. Um, Notre Dame doesn't do that. Notre Dame is like, oh, cool. You stopped us and held us to a field goal on our first drive. Guess what? We're going to keep coming. 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 And Phil Jakovic, pour one out for our guy, friend of the pod, Phil Jakovic. He goes 18 to 40 for 272 yards, two TDs and a pick. Uh, not his best performance. Notre Dame overwhelmed him. But um, yeah, uh, Notre Dame is, I think, officially better than I than I thought they were even after being Clemson. And I think they're, uh, they're almost a shoe in for the playoff. Yeah, without a doubt. I feel like they just look so solid all around. Like Ian book, it seemed like last couple of years, like, like anytime, like their offense makes a play kind of like you were just talking about Miami. It seemed like their offense is kind of like reliant on those kind of like freelance plays where he runs around and kind of makes something happen unscripted. And, like, it seems like this year he's not having to do more of that. The offensive line's protecting him better. And, like, the, the turnover early, I, I think, is the, really the only reason Boston College kind of appeared to be in this game because Notre Dame's offense basically wasn't stopped. Like, every single every single drive, they basically put points on the board. So it was, a, it was a pretty dominant performance. And I think it was what a lot of people needed to see because we it was a huge win to beat uh, Clemson, but obviously people can get up for games like that and then lay an egg the next week. I think a four, 14, honestly, it, it wasn't that close. It was a late touchdown to kind of make it look closer. I was hoping Boston College could get that cover, you know, 13 and a half spread. I did pick Boston College, thought they'd keep it closer. But um, yeah, Notre Dame, they look good. Miami takes care of Virginia Tech late. Um I thought they were going to lose this game. I texted you, I think, early on where I'm like, I think Virginia Tech is better. Like, Hendon Hooker is really fun to watch. He had this big 50-yard touchdown run in this game that off an RPO that I very much enjoyed. Uh, Virginia Tech got home for some sacks on Derek King. But, like, the difference in the way Justin Fuente and Manny Diaz coach their teams is interesting because, like, Manny Diaz wants ball control. They have these two great edge rushers who were getting at Hooker a lot. Um, Phillips, and I forgot the other guy's name off the top of my head. But um, Miami, they have good talent up front. But uh, they were down 24-13 in the third quarter. And they win 25-24 um, late. King was fine. Like, King does a lot for them. He he runs well. He he finds the first downs when he needs to on third and long. Cameron Harris I like a lot. Um they have skill talent all over the place. They have this dude Wiggins, who I think is going to be really good for them on the outside. He had a really sick catch at one point in this game, but they, they just play around with teams. Like they just wait until they have to do a 10 play 82 yard drive. And it's just annoying. Like I, if I was a Miami fan, I would hate watching this team week in week out because Virginia tech is fun. Like they're not great, 
but they're fun. Like they take shots. Um, Herbert, Cleo Herbert was hurt for this game. So he was in and out of the lineup, but they were just fun like that. Like I said, the hooker touchdown run, like going deep, like they're just opening up the clip when they can. They're just an explosive yeah, early, heavy team. Early on, Virginia Tech definitely looked like the better team early on, but it looked like Miami, you know, changed something up in the second half because Hooker was just 5 of 12 in the second half, and they ended up getting six sacks. I feel like he was yep. running for his life in the second half. So I feel like got to give uh, props to Miami. I can't, I can't help but, as a Georgia fan, just being cursed by Jamie Newman, I can't help but thinking what if, seeing Derek King, King uh, make some plays for Miami. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I well, was impressed. Well, you got Tyson Bennett. Oh, of course. You got the mailman, so we're good. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like uh, I, I was I was little I was wondering if if Vegas knew knew more than I did for a uh, for a top ten team to be uh, the underdog for, against an unranked team. But I uh, went with Miami and they uh, they pulled it out. Florida takes care of Arkansas in just brutal fashion, sixty three thirty five. Um, I I'm comfortable saying Florida's back, Matt Green. Florida is back under Dan Mullen. Like, Trask throws six TDs without Kyle Pitts, which I think was important here. Like, this Arkansas defense is not bad. This Arkansas defense fights hard, and it did not matter. Like, this game was over at the half. It was 35-14 at the half. Like, no Pitts, no problem. They also do this thing. I was listening to um, the Solid Zone duo, I believe is what it's called, um, with Alex Kirshner and Richard Johnson and Stephen Godfrey. Great college football minds. And I was listening to them tonight when I was going to get dinner and something they brought up because Richard's a Florida fan. And I didn't even notice this when I was uh, doing the recap this morning. Um, Florida basically just puts in one running back for one drive and then subs in another running back for another drive. Like they are just so consistent. They found this thing where they're like, yeah, we're just going to play one guy for a little bit. We're going to play another guy. Um, We will have Damon Pierce, Damon Pierce for one drive. We'll have uh, Wright for the other drive like it's just it's fascinating because they ran for 121 yards touchdown and uh he was he was just really good um they have found something with the running game so they can win with the run they can win with the pass they can win without kyle pitts their defense still is not great but like the defense is going to get points when the offense scores as many touchdowns um florida bama i just i can't wait yeah, I think, like you said, that's what I've kind of been the most impressed by is their running game the last few weeks. Cause that makes them a legitimate offense, just unstoppable. And when they're able to run the ball, um, Naquan Wright and Damian Pierce both look good. Malik Davis has looked good for them as well. So, yeah, I feel like Florida's offense, honestly, I think while you were talking just now, Florida's offense scored another touchdown against Arkansas. It was just unbelievable every single, every single time they had the ball – nearly 11 drives they had in this game eight touchdowns they scored like it was unreal and honestly in Felipe Franks like Arkansas played well I guess if if you're gonna poke you know just split hairs about Florida's performance the defense still does need to get better but I mean looking at Alabama's defense like they kind of seem like they're in the same place like yeah maybe they're gonna give up 35 points a game so but if they're gonna score 50 like they can win so I, I I think the the biggest negative you can say about Florida, I would say the the other, you know, best 
top contenders in the country right now basically have the same weakness. So I, I, yeah, Florida definitely looks like a contender. Kyle Trask is like, I, I'll say I scoffed when people said this year's Joe Burrow is Kyle, it's going to be Kyle Trask. Like, all right, come on. Nobody's ever going to be Joe Burrow. Like this is, this is a stupid thing to say. Like I just, I, I couldn't have been more wrong. Kyle Trask has just been ridiculously efficient. I feel like still just like with the eye test, like he's not necessarily doing it in the way that Joe Burrow is doing it, that it's going to make him like a can't miss NFL prospect. But just in terms of in their in their offense, like he's just dropping dimes. Like he's so accurate. I thought it was – I thought like you said, this performance without Kyle Pitts because for how good they were in the first half against Georgia – like their their offense did basically nothing in the second half without Kyle Pitts. So I thought it was it was worth seeing what this offense would be without Kyle Pitts and they they were just they dominated this game. Getting to the real conference, the Big Ten. Um Indiana takes care of Michigan State. Um the Hoosiers magical season continues. Uh Michigan State's awful, which makes the Michigan loss just even more I, embarrassing because the Spartans outgained 433 to 191 in the shutout loss. This was the first Michigan State home shutout since 1985. Is that bad? It's bad, especially when it's Indiana. Like, it's Indiana. It's not like you just got a home shutout against, like, Ohio State or Penn State or something. No, it feels is, uh, worse. Like, you know those years, like, when Kentucky was good, it's like, yeah, but it, it feels bad losing to Kentucky. Like, that's how it feels. But this Indiana team looks legit. They're good. And, like, can you imagine before the season if we had said that, like, Indiana, Ohio State's going to be insane? Yeah, top 10 matchup. I I was shocked <laughs> when they uh, they said this. It's not going to be game day. I what? guess if it was going to be at Indiana, I guess it would be guaranteed game day, but it's at Ohio State. Yeah, I, game day, there's, they're going to uh, Bedlam next week. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. But, um, mm. but, yeah, in this game, Indiana just dominated. Like 39 to 21 time of possession. Michigan State had 12 drives in this game. I'm going to read them to you. Punt, interception, fumble, punt, interception, punt, turnover <laughs> on downs, punt, punt, turnover on downs, interception, punt. That is uh that is a recipe that will get you zero points in a football game. I don't think you win football games like that. No, I don't think you do. Rocky you Lombardi score, is uh, awful. You gotta score some points. He is awful. Um yeah, I this, Michigan State's going to be a tough, tough long, long-term fix here. So um, Indiana's looking like a top three team mm, in the Big Ten, I'd say, right? Uh, I mean, I think it's a clear top three, right? I mean, other than Ohio State and Wisconsin, who is there? Oh, are you talking about in the Big Ten? Yes. Yeah, in the Big Ten. Yes, they're a top three team. Absolutely. So this will uh, this will be interesting. Their, uh, their test, I mean... Do they have Northwestern on the schedule? Uh, they do not. They do have Wisconsin, though, at Wisconsin. So they go at Ohio State, Maryland, at Wisconsin, finish with Purdue. Ooh, Purdue will be feisty because I think Rondell Moore will be back by that point. David Bell's been really good, and we'll get into Purdue in a second. Um, yeah, they, they have a really tough back end of the schedule here. Um, those are all losable games for Indiana. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be interesting. I think Wisconsin and Ohio State definitely look like the class of the Big Ten so far. Oregon. No one 
we'll forget about Oregon because guess what? Mr. Shoe. Big big shoe fan over here. Is it show? Is it shoe? What is it? Um he passed the 80-yard rushing mark in this game against Washington State where their quarterback uh, dyed his hair to match the Washington State uniforms. I don't know if you saw that. Um, the Ducks have not had a quarterback rush for 80 yards since Marcus Mariota. Oh, big time. Is he the next Marcus Mariota? He's good. He's uh, he's fun. And I just think it's fun to have Marcus Mariota-type quarterbacks in Oregon. I think that should be the requirement is uh, if you're going to be at Oregon, you have to play that way. So Joe Moorhead stalling his offense with Mario Cristobal there. Um, they look good. They're solid. Oregon should run the table, right? Like, they, uh, they're they just solid on both sides of the ball. And um, I like Shoes' deep balls. He had some good ones in this game. Um, I think Oregon's going to be fine, and they're going to win a lot of games this fall. If they can play them. Uh, Wisconsin, we mentioned them, destroys Michigan. And here's the most concerning thing if you're a Michigan fan. Wisconsin's offense wasn't even very good. Like, Mertz was only 12 of 22 for 127 yards and two TDs. But the Badgers went full Badgers. And this is the the Wisconsin special. The Jonathan Taylor Monty ball, Ron Dane tradition of rushing for 341 yards, averaging 6.7 yards per carry and five touchdowns. This is the Wisconsin that I remember. Um... It's just bad. Like Michigan's bad all over, and I, I was still pretty much like I. I don't think you can move on from Harbaugh. Now I'm just like I don't know how you keep Harbaugh. Like this feels like the bottom is really falling falling out here. It really does. Like this game, it wasn't even competitive. Like it was over. It was over early, and to just get to get run on, like it's. I don't know. It's somehow it, it feels worse than just getting dominated through the air. Like if someone just got 350 yards, just dominating you, and they they throw the ball like 12 times, it's just like there's nothing you can do. Just die, die a slow death. But um, that's and that's what Michigan football feels like, honestly, right now. Being one in one in three, I feel like Michigan just. I don't know. I mean, I just I can't believe how how wrong everyone was including myself about jim harbaugh like i just would have never thought that this this could be as bad as it is right now and yeah i mean michigan like we were talking with south carolina like michigan it seems like it's gonna be one of those one of those openings at the end of the year i just don't know how you keep jim harbaugh and it's like well i think the difference is i think that's the best job available like michigan's the best job Oh, without a doubt. And and honestly, I just I wonder if they'll get in their own way because we, we talked about this before, like, oh, we want a Michigan man and all that, yeah. you know, but like Luke Fickle, he seems like a candidate for a job like Michigan, you know, like when I, I know people have already thrown Luke Fickle's name out in that short list for South Carolina. And it's like he he's not taking like, that job. Like Cincinnati seems like a better job than South Carolina, honestly, like. It's they they have a better road to the playoff. It's at Cincinnati, so he just seems so much above that job. But but somewhere like no, Michigan, Fickle needs you know, to hold out for USC, the other USC, the real one. I mean, that could be it. And he's an Ohio State guy, and so I just wonder if that's what Michigan people would be like. We're not bringing in this Ohio State guy. We, we want a Michigan man and all that, you know. So I wonder if if that's actually going to be you know in consideration because I feel like Luke Fickle seems maybe I'm just associating him with the North just because he's an Ohio State guy and he's at Cincinnati now, but he seems like the kind of guy that would that could get Michigan on track. 
Here's who I target. Josh Heupel at UCF. You got to target someone who recruits in a hot in a hotbed, right? Like you have to have someone who has strong connections in Florida, Texas, Georgia, Bama, California, something like that. You got to go somewhere like that. Um, that's why Nebraska. If, yeah, say it again. See, I wonder if you want like a guy like Fickle that's that recruits that area that knows that area that he's coming into. You think you want a guy coming from Florida or Texas yeah. or something like? That's where I would go. I would that's go. A theory. I would go hypel. I would go. You know what? It wouldn't be sexy. It wouldn't be sexy. Dave Clawson. What he's doing at Wake yeah. with that amount of talent, Sam Hartman, putting up these crazy offenses at Wake Forest, slow and at steady. Michigan, though, that just wouldn't that that wouldn't excite the people at Michigan. I feel did like Lloyd would, Carr excite like, the people at Michigan? No, I don't. I don't remember when Lloyd Carr was hired at Michigan. Like I was, I don't know if I was born then. But uh, um, <laughs> I don't think you were actually. I don't. Think I, I was, was he, either. Was he? Was he there before ninety? I'm not sure. I think he was. But, um, but um, yeah, I don't. I just. I feel like Michigan, even if they're not, I feel like they still perceive themselves as being in that upper echelon that's getting like a big time name to be their head coach. And they might be in for a rude awakening, you know, who knows, but they, uh, I feel like they, that's who they're going to want. And by the way, Lloyd Carr got hired in 95. Okay. So I think we all remember after Lloyd Carr took over in 95. No, I obviously don't. The dream hire is probably Matt Campbell. Yeah, I could see that. Is Michigan a better job than Iowa State? Yes. Is it? Yeah. I mean, probably. There's no resource at Iowa be. State. Like he's he's doing the Lord's work at Iowa State. Like him, what he's uh, done in Ames is is pretty amazing. Um, but he could probably hang. Like he gets a lot of NFL looks, so I I wouldn't be surprised if he's like the next Matt Rule, or he if he does leave Iowa State, he leaves for the NFL. Um. USC, speaking of USC, uh, they unfortunately win another football game to ensure that Clay Helton is the head coach at USC for a little bit longer. Uh, Arizona's awful. So this is the eighth consecutive loss for Arizona. Um, They dropped the final seven games of the 2019 season. So this is the third straight year the Wildcats have started 0-1. That is the first time it's happened in school history. Kevin Sumlin, um, I hope you're winning. Yeah, I thought Kevin Sumlin. I've always been a Kevin Sumlin fan. But he was it's, so good uh, at AM in Houston. Yeah. I don't understand. But I don't know. It seems to have run its, run its course. Is, is USC tanking right now? Do they not want to win this game? Fans want to tank because yeah, you can't. Like, Helton's going to win too many games. That's why I was texting my friend. I don't know if we talked about this, but like, I looked at their schedule and I looked at their quarterback situation. I'm like, they have too much talent. And this schedule and the way the Pac 12 is shaping up this year, like, they're going to win too many games to fire him. They're not going to be... pull out a game against Arizona, who's not a good team. Like no. to, to pull out, pull the game out at the end the way they did too. It's like you want a much more convincing win over Arizona. What would you guess Sublin's all-time record is? Coaching record. Oh man, give me how many years has he coached? Mm, like two thousand eight to now. That's like twelve years. Um, let me go like. 75 and 65 close-ish 95 and 59 
Okay, that was a lot better than I was uh, giving him credit for. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's actually been, like, a really successful football coach. Like, he went 12-1 and his last year at Houston. He went at Texas A&M. Like, it never fell out. Like, it seemed like he was way worse at Texas A&M at the end than he actually was. He well, went, it's because they would start five, six, and zero. Oh, it seemed yeah. like every year, and then end up eight and five, right? Like it was eight and five, like four years in a row, I think. Three years, yeah, yeah, and then seven and five, the last one. Um, but he went eleven and two, nine and four. Like he, he's going five hundred every year at Arizona. They go five and seven, four and eight, and now they're on one. Like I don't know, but this is another situation where it's like, what is Arizona football fans' expectations? Arizona has been atrocious forever. Look at Arizona football history. It's a train wreck. Like, they've been terrible forever. It honestly has. When... Is there a glory years of no. Arizona? Like, I can't even... I know, what's it, Teddy Bruschi was there at one point. I don't know if they were, like, ever... Have they ever even gone to a Rose Bowl or anything I think like they've that? been to one Rose Bowl. I want to say they've been to one Rose Bowl. I know Teddy Bruschi is a uh, college football Hall of Famer. So maybe maybe they did something while he was in college. I, uh... Yeah, they have... They are, it's just not a good... Oh, no, they have not. So I just looked it up. They have not been to the Rose Bowl. No Rose Bowls. And I feel like that's that's honestly it's all... It's last outright conference off. championship. Outright conference championship. 1941. Wow. <laughs> so when people are like, oh, someone, he's got to move on. I'm like, who the fuck is Arizona <laughs> getting to replace this program? Like, someone's already, like, the best coach in their program history. Like, let's just take it easy. Give him 15 years. Let him have fun in retirement zone in Arizona. Let him have some fun. Maybe he'll find a Johnny Manziel at some point. Yeah, You're that's Arizona. true. Might as well, might as well Arizona. Arizona. Well I don't know. That gets me fired up. Arizona. Like they're I just... mean, is there is there talks? Are you is there talks of him on the hot seat? Or are you are you speaking to someone in general? Or are you just I just can see how these are going to go. And I, I read the comments and I read people. Oh, we got to get, got to get him out of here. And I'm like, who are you getting? You're Arizona. People, people do want to, they want to pull the trigger first and then ask questions later. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, to be fair, this is year three and they've, they've had losing seasons both of the first two years. So they've had losing seasons like, for a hundred years. That's, that's fair. But, <laughs> uh, I feel like Arizona, you should give a guy, if you're giving a guy you give him a, 10 years a job, you give him like resume. Six. You give him 10. I was, I was like, at least give him six years. I give got him 10. A full, a full four year class. Honestly, maybe give him two full four year classes. <laughs> like, give him eight years if you can't do anything by then. Yeah. I feel like that's basically what Vanderbilt's doing. Like, yep. they don't have expectations. They're like, hey, this guy. He hasn't won some games, but he's he's said some uh, he's had some inspirational speeches that we can all get behind. <laughs> Derek Mason, I hope you know, it'd be amazing is if he becomes like the longest tenured SEC coach. I hope that happens. Is that possible? Like, is he is he second right now, like behind Saban? I w- I hope he is. Let me look. He's got if he's not, he he's got to be close. Actually. When was yeah? He's he's been there for probably solid like seven eight years. I, he's got to have been there for that long. I'm looking now. Uh, 2014, seven years, yeah. This is year seven. Yeah, so. Oh, he's going to be the most tenured coach in the SEC once Saban retires. That's going to be amazing. Might um, be an on the SEC at this point right now. There's not a, it's kind of been a revolving door of head coaches at some of these big-time schools in the last decade. 
the last game I want to mention today. Um, my favorite game of the week, Northwestern Purdue. So, you know, you 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 love my contrarianism, Matt. You love it. Yes, um, this was your favorite game of the week, <laughs> Northwestern and Purdue. Once I heard Rondo Moore is out, I was like, are you kidding me? Can I get my pick back? I picked, I had Purdue. I think uh, they were a three-point underdog. They were wearing uh-huh. the, uh, the Drew Brees classics. Did you see that? Yeah, I wasn't a fan of those, but I, I respect the throwbacks, but I, I didn't like them. Mm. There's a reason they've changed their uniform since. It wasn't a great look. Wow. Anyway. That's just me. That's just me, the uniform police over here. Yeah, yeah. Um, David Bell, mind you. They should have, sorry, they should have busted out those uniforms Georgia Tech rocked a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, just they <laughs> something out just throw a pee on there. See, I was always actually kind of in on the gold ones. Remember where they wore the gold tops, the white pants, and the gold helmets? Gold, gold jerseys, white pants? I don't even think I remember that. I was thinking, I always think of Purdue rocking like black jerseys. No, you gotta look at the gold top. Gold top, gold helmet. What, we, what years are we talking? Uh, it wasn't like the that Curtis, the Chris, was it Chris Painter? Yeah, Curtis. I think it was. Let me see. What year was that? They were in all the gold. This is important podcast content, and I can't remember what year this was. Yeah, this is great. This is great content <laughs> right here. Talking uniforms. This is just great radio. Well, there's actually a website dedicated to this whole thing. People, UniWatch, like people love uniforms. Um, oh, for sure, but. You usually want a visual when you're talking uniforms. Oh, here it is. Okay. So I'm looking at it right now. It was, who was 18? Oh, Kyle Orton. Okay. Yeah. Just look up Purdue's all go- gold uniforms. I'll have to check those out. I think but Jerry anyway, Tiller was still there. I'll, uh, I'll let you get back to your thoughts on your favorite game <laughs> of the week. <laughs> so here's why it's my favorite game. Purdue's good. And their quarterback stuff has been weird. Aiden O'Connell is kind of hit or miss. I don't think he's going to finish the year as the guy there. David Bell is a monster. He was targeted 17 times in this game and had nine grabs for 78 yards. Like once they get him and Rondale Moore on the field together, Brom is going to scheme the living hell out of the rest of the big 10. Like he is going to put up crazy offensive numbers. Like Purdue is going in the right direction. Brian Brom's just a great coach. Northwestern, yeah, on the other hand, I want to I want to get back to what you're saying about these uniforms, though. Mm-hmm. They're quality alternate, but yeah. uh, I feel like black is definitely the way uh, Purdue Purdue should look. But yeah. uh, I digress. Northwestern, on the other hand, Peyton Ramsey's their quarterback. Former, and it's just the great year for Indiana people. Like the the longtime Indiana quarterback, Peyton Ramsey, is Northwestern's quarterback. They obviously make the change at offensive coordinator. They're undefeated. They're ranked Northwestern at the top of the Big Ten right now. I, I was just trying to make sense of this because I thought, like you, I I wasn't a believer, and I still think Brahms' offensive structure just makes more sense long term. And I I don't believe in Northwestern's offense all that much because when I watch this game, I'm like they're not doing anything really impressive. Like Peyton Ramsey wasn't very good. He he just wasn't making mistakes that just killed them. And I don't know. Like I I came away from this game watching it back, and I'm like Northwestern's just winning these games. Like they're just getting. They're not getting lucky, but they're just doing enough to win. They're just playing smart, like the Fitzgerald magic stuff. But, like, they're not great. And Purdue just has these skill position guys that you're always waiting to bust open. But uh, they're they're not quite there. They need Rondale Moore back. But I, I, I do believe that if Rondale Moore was on the field for this Purdue-Northwestern game, that Purdue wins. I do. 
Yeah, I definitely think so. Honestly, is there a coach? I mean, like outside of Saban and Dabo Swinney that has like more job security than Pat Fitzgerald? Like, I, I mean, feel Brian like Brown's got some pretty good one. Like, he's already like the best Purdue coach, and like, and think about how That's long fair. Jerry Tiller was at Purdue. I bet they're gonna build a, a statue for. Yeah, Pat he already has earned a statue. Honestly. He's for sure. But this week they uh, they host Wisconsin this week, so this is gonna be a big test. We really find out what they're made of. I feel like. I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin like kind of blew them out, honestly. Yeah. All right. Well, do you uh do you have anything else you'd like to add on this recap show uh before we get out of here? I uh that's that's all I got, man. I um I hope uh the games don't get postponed next week. I hope we can get back to a, a normal week. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um it's gonna be a full full jam sl- jam-packed slate um but we shall see what ultimately ends up happening here um fingers crossed stay safe out there um but yeah we we shall see it's going to be interesting i'm very excited for ohio state indiana like i'm very very excited are you i am that game's gonna be over by like the end of the first quarter honestly ohio state's gonna blast them like it's it feels like these these games Clemson's had the last like three, four years where like Boston college, like, Oh, they're five and one. They, they're ranked top 20. And then they just get destroyed. Like game day comes like we all, we all convince ourselves like, Oh, this is a team that could beat Clemson. And they just get destroyed. I feel like that's, I think that's how I see this Indiana game. You know, maybe I'm way off. Maybe this Indiana team is, is legit, but, uh, I think there is there's being legit and there's being at the level Ohio State is at and I feel like they're they're just gonna dominate. But you know, there's a we'll bunch of good games this week. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We got um, Kansas, Kentucky, or Kansas, Texas. Who's not gonna be excited for that one? No, uh, Wisconsin Northwestern. I think will be very good. UCF Cincinnati with UCF being at home here. I think is going to be extremely interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like this is the only that's the only real test left on Cincinnati's schedule. Marshall can clinch their undefeated season this weekend against Charlotte. Their season's over after this, so they can uh, finish eight zero. The herd, man, they're uh, they're a quality football team. What do you? And we'll wrap up here. What do you guess the Florida Vanderbilt spread's going to be this weekend? Oh man, it should be. That might get into the thirties. <laughs> like I could see that being like a thirty-point favorite. Like I don't know how they hold Florida under fifty points. Like Florida's going to score. You know they're going to pick their score in this game essentially. Like, and I don't see Vanderbilt. I mean Vanderbilt has scored uh, some some points here and there on some teams, but I don't. I don't see that game being very close. I would, whatever it is, I would take Florida. Yeah, I. Uh, and don't forget about that uh, that battle uh, battle between the Bulldogs next week. I, I will State, absolutely Georgia. forget about that game. You want to talk about some bad yeah. offense? Is Tune there any other good primetime games next week? I, uh, I'm I'm uh, going to see Auburn, sir. Oh, see, that's disappointing because like I hate that I'm going to miss and even Oklahoma, Oklahoma State too. I feel like I'm, my attention has to be on Georgia, Mississippi State, so my I'll have less attention on those games. Well, you'll get to uh, enjoy Auburn, Tennessee. But you got a 3:30 CBS kickoff, A and M, Ole Miss. So 
I don't know. That do, that could be an entertaining one. But we'll see. We'll save all that for next pod. We we will. All right. For that guy down there in Decula, Georgia. It's time to go. It's time to wrap up here. Um, thank you, as always, sir. Go leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you are an Apple Podcast listeners, uh, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. Go support us on the Patreon at Patreon.com slash ChaseThomasWriter. Follow Matt at Matt uh, underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Thank you, as always, for listening. And uh, new episode tomorrow, because guess what? This is a daily podcast, so you're getting another one tomorrow. All right. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.